Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the game from Orlando, Florida. It is a rare hour three as we joined. We started the show at three o'clock with the pep rally from the Point Orlando, which is right across the street from the Media Hotel. Hour number two wrapped up. We head into the third hour. We're going to speak with Derek Young from KC Online here in just a moment. Mitch in Vegas coming up as well. The final Mitch in Vegas. The final six picks of the college football season will determine the champion. It's either going to be Troy Coverdale or the people. The Game in Orlando brought to you by Commerce Bank, proud sponsor of Kansas State Wildcats. Here's to the team that proves there's no challenge. We can't meet together. Commerce Bank, challenge accepted. And Farm Bureau Financial Services agent Joe Wilson. DD Life Insurance. No matter your life stage or expenses, having life insurance in place to protect your family is a smart move. Don't spend time wondering. Contact Farm Bureau Financial Services agent Joe Wilson in Manhattan to learn more. It's your future. Let's protect it. Guys, it's Wednesday. You know what that means. AEW Dynamite is tonight from Addition Financial Arena, believe it or not, right here in Orlando, Florida. The thing, though, is it's clear across town, and it starts like 30 minutes after we wrap up the show. So it feels a bit impossible. Plus, we got tickets to go to the Orlando Magic Philadelphia 76ers game tonight at the Amway Center. I know which one I would rather go to, but it's going to be much easier to get to the NBA game. We're now joined by Derek Young from Case in a Line. D.Y., what would you rather go to? Magic 76ers or AEW Dynamite at the home of the UCF Knights? I, I'm probably going to disappoint you. Probably NBA basketball just because... I'm not head first all the way dove into the AEW landscape at this point. So I probably have a hard time following along with everything. Plus, and this is a big point here, the NBA game is free. But AEW is like 20 bucks, not counting tolls to get there. But, and also, I don't have a car. Pers- persuade me. Who's the headliner? Who am I watching? Uh, okay, so... John Moxley, Sir Swick, Sir Swerve Strickland, and Jay White. They're all very talented guys. And then you have Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston. Uh, MJF and Samoa Joe tag teaming tonight. Those are the three matches that have been announced, and they usually do like six in a show. Um, and then they tape Rampage afterwards. Starts at 7.30 Eastern, uh, but we wrap up at 7 Eastern. So, like I said, I tried to make it work. It's tough. That's going to be a long Uber ride. It's going to take at least 30 minutes to get there. That's an expensive Uber ride. Plus, you have to go through tolls to get there. And as the passenger, you have to pay for the tolls. I might just wait till they come back to Kansas City. 
if it was the Amway Center and not all the way across town at UCF's campus, I would make it happen. What's the Amway? Amway is where the Magic play. I thought that Kia. That's Kia. Oh, they changed it? I think it's Kia Center. So the last time I was here in Orlando was for a WrestleMania. It was at Camping World Stadium. But I went – it was the best Monday Night Raw I ever went to, but it used to be the Amway Center. They changed it at some point. I Kia, like Amway a little bit better. Kia. The car's taking over everything. Well, that, when I think of Kia, I think of the Forum in Los Angeles. They call it the Kia Forum now. AEW runs that place once in a while. See, and then the Staples Center changed too. It's uh, a crypto – dot com arena or something it's funny how we latch on to <laughs> arena stadium names that have you know they sold the name to a you know a company mm-hmm. for advertising and then when it changes no it's the staples center it's always going to be the staples <laughs> center to me i don't care what you change it to mcdonald's center whatever it's always going to be the staples center the, the problem is when it's not a stadium named after a corporate company and then they change it to a corporate one so then yeah. you get it because the indie cleveland indians now the cleveland guardians there was Jake Itz Field, and everybody called it the Jake. And that was like a big thing in Ohio, like uh, mm. almost like a monument of sorts. But now it's progressive field. Well, one of my favorite examples of that is in, uh, in Pittsburgh. The Steelers playing Heinz Field. And when they took those ketchup bottles down, anarchy. Yeah. D.Y. joins us here at the Media Hotel uh, on location in Orlando, Florida. Pop-Tarts Bowl coming up at 445 tomorrow. Power Cake game day with D.Y. Coleman Beck and myself will start at... 12.30 in the afternoon. We'll talk about the game here in a little bit here, D.Y., but we didn't have you on last week. We already had a full slate of uh, of things to talk about uh, last Wednesday because of the recruiting class being signed. We had Taylor Brad on. Ooh, um, I got bumped by Taylor Brad. You did, but I also he told me that he was also doing your show, the Three Mall Podcast, uh, at, at 4 o'clock, which is like our normal time. So I was like, well, that tells me D.Y. is a little bit busy today. And I assumed you were, so I, I wasn't going to even bother you. We just get you on the next week, and it just so happens to be right now uh, here in Orlando, Florida, Central Florida. But I just want to get your thoughts as, you know, 18 have been signed. You have three guys that transfer in from Division One schools, a couple of JUCO transfers. And I don't think people have noticed, I mean, the, the work case they did in the last week to sign to get a whole bunch of guys committed – and signed, and if you really uh, you, you look at the rankings of the, you know, like on three, for instance, I mean, it wasn't too long ago, K-State was 60-something, and now they're 40-something in the rankings, which is barely off of what they were last year. Yep. Excuse me. They're neck and neck with KU. Yeah, for Kansas State's class and the way that it was composed, a little bit of a mad dash, a mad scramble towards that finish, there was times where, you know, they're 10th or 11th in the Big 12 and like you said, in the 60s nationally. But they finished now in the 40s. I think them and KU were like 44, 45, something like that in the on-three rankings. Kansas State finishes, I think, fifth in the Big 12 in recruiting rankings for, in the Big 12. KU fourth. Um, a class that really came together late. Some of those junior college editions and the way that they were evaluated and rank, uh, yeah, ranked late, I think, helped because I think what Dante Thomas is number 11 Juco player in the country, according to On3. Malcolm Alcorn Crowder, the defensive lineman they signed from Butler, number 15 player, in, uh, 15 Juco player in the country that they signed. So, you know, I think people, just because there were a lot of slow times during this process, and, it, you know, for a while, they only, what, they had eight, nine commits for the longest time as well. So I think folks kind of got, I don't want to say bored, but kind of lulled to sleep a little bit when it came to the, comes to this year's recruiting rankings. But, you know, average star ranking per recruit this class actually better than the last one 
when they had just had Avery Johnson. And that's wild. And I think that's what some fans, you know, they, they look at this class differently because they K-State didn't get, like, the sexy top guy in the class who would have been Boganowski. Boganowski. Or yeah. Bricks. Or Bricks. So those were the two. But in state, though, like yeah. the top kid, and especially with Boganowski being 30 minutes away from Manhattan. And exactly. But it, technically, I think on three different services now, Gus Hawkins is number one in the state. The Mill Valley off the tackle. And there was a moment, Cade Massey, I think, was at the top of the leaderboard in some of those sites. And, and I mean. Eight-man football. What a story that, I think, will be. Because one stayed at Linden. His uncle is the head coach. And it, it was his uncle's first year as the head coach. They run the table in blowout fashion. And you don't – I mean, I, I can't think of too many examples of a K-State player going from eight-man to, um, to K-State and just having a, a – a crazy good career. No, I mean, I, Tanner Wood was an eight-man football player that started okay. a lot of games at D-line, right? I think it was Tanner Wood. Um, he was a running back for his eight-man team, I believe. And he started a lot of games, but like you said, not terribly productive. I mean, Gus Hawkins is a pretty good story, too. I mean, that's a four-star offensive tackle that they beat a number of programs for. He just didn't post his offers, really. Uh, four-star by, by nearly every service. And everyone thought Mill Valley was down and out this year. For a while, they come back, still win state, right? So, what, what does Gus Hawkins win state every year? Does he have four state titles? I'm not sure. He might. But he might. <laughs> I, I don't have the info to back you up on that, but I think you might be right. You know, and you mentioned it, like, what a what a finish share for K-State right before the, the December 20th uh, early signing period opened up with the with the guys that got committed and now signed with, you mentioned Malcolm Alcorn Crowder. He was big, um, too, Malcolm Alcorn Crowder, because they needed to get bigger along the defensive line. They're losing Nate Matlack. They're losing Khalid Duke. They needed some more, I guess, better schematic fits, and he's huge for that. And, you know, figuratively and literally, he's, what, 6'5", 300 pounds in the Jucos? Grown man. I mean, Devon Rice – late commit at running back. I mean, that kid I mean, plays for not only maybe the best high school program in America. National champions this yeah, year. They were the national champions. Bishop Gorman. Taylor Bratt and I couldn't – we didn't know if they were the national champs or not. But And he wasn't even their starting – he, like, split time at, at running Michigan back. Michigan signing. So yeah. they, they had him and a Michigan signing. I mean, Bishop Gorman, the way I, I could probably describe Bishop Gorman to someone that, you know, isn't headfirst – neck deep in this stuff is basically a West Coast IMG Academy. So yeah, it's you you're you move there. I mean they recruit you, you move there and football kinda of becomes your life a little bit earlier than it does for a lot of players. You're kinda of groomed to be that football player. But you know, a way that I maybe fans don't like to hearing this name, but a name a way that I like to describe Davon Rice from Bishop Gorman is he's Diet Dylan Edwards. He's got that burst and explosiveness to him. So who is the who is the Avery Johnson of this class? Who would you say is the top player? For me, it's what Hawkins or, or Massey. I think one of the offensive linemen. Those two come to mind for me. I don't. Have, I said Kate Massey on last Wednesday. He was my pick. Yeah, I don't have the sheet in front of me, so I'm trying to remember everyone offhand too. Um, they have. I mean, according to on three, they have two four star wide receivers as well. Between which. I think his name is pronounced Jaquiz. It looked like it was in the Jaquiz, Bradley Demps, and Trey Davis are both four stars and in the top 300 on, on three. We're speaking with Derek Young from Case Dental Line. When we come back on the game, let's jump into 
the Pop-Tarts Bowl. We'll get D.Y.'s thoughts on the game that plays tomorrow here in Orlando from Camping World Stadium as we continue our bowl coverage here on K-Man. And the game from Orlando is brought to you by Whole Health MHK. Unlike a healthier you at Whole Health MHK, they are not just a clinic. They are your wellness champions. Located at 7840 East Highway 24 in Manhattan. Back with Derek Young next on the game. Patrick Runner. So what number do you have in your head about, okay, this is the appropriate amount of times you run Avery Johnson. His season high without a sack, without sacks counted into it, is 15 against TCU. That number is probably too high. What's your idea of a pitch count for Avery Johnson? I think if you asked Avery, 15 is probably too high. If you asked the Kansas State coaches, they're going to be like, we're going to do what we have to do to win the game. So we'll see where that number fits at. My thing is, is like Avery Johnson's pretty important to the program. So not that you want to throw away a win, but you got to balance the idea of we need to win this game, but we also need to keep this kid happy. Um, that's weird in this day of college football, but that's where we are. And you got to keep Avery Johnson happy. You have to be on the same page with Avery Johnson. But you can't abandon it because – that kid can really run the football. I mean, he's both laterally and vertically fast. He can. I mean, that one, a couple of those Texas Tech touchdowns were very impressive. He had five in Lubbock, I believe. The touchdown against SEMO. I know that was against SEMO, but that wasn't there until it was. Had to make he, a little cut, yeah. Yeah, I think he did a backwards move, too. I mean, he's different with the ball in his hands. But he can really throw it, too. And I understand his probably frustration and how to this point he is being depicted as a runner first in a thrower second he wants that to be reversed kind of like what we heard and saw unfold both in college and in the NFL with Lamar Jackson he was the same way he's like no I can play quarterback well he looks like he can play quarterback he might be going on a deep NFL playoff run this year I think Avery Johnson is more like Lamar Jackson in terms of comparison than anything else. And you got to let him be able to throw it because he can really sling it as well. You talk about a pitch count number. I think it's important to denote them as design runs and then what else he can do when a play breaks down. Because I don't think when he has to scramble and he takes off, because there's going to be times too where his kid scrambles because nothing there in the passing game or the pass rush gets them too quick, and he turns that into a 30, 40-yard run. That wasn't supposed to be a 30, 40-yard run, wasn't even supposed to be a run. We're going to see a couple of those. But design runs, I think, is probably the important number here. And I would look at it as a 5 to 6 kind of thing. I don't know that you want to get it too more than that. And I also think there's value in letting him throw it around the yard 30, 40 times in this game and seeing what you have as well. Is there a young player on the offensive side that – you're looking forward to the most about seeing what they do in this bowl game now that an older guy isn't in front of them, like a Garrett Oakley or potentially a Trey Spivey? Yeah, I mean, Garrett Oakley comes to mind for me because he's probably going to be your number one option at tight end with no Ben Sennett out there. Trey Spivey, but I don't know how much he still plays, right, because you do still have Jaden Jackson, Jace Brown, Keegan Johnson, Seth Porter. So Trey Spivey's touches are probably still going to be limited. I mean, he's going to get a good amount of snaps, but what's that mean, three catches? Um, it'll be fun to watch no matter what, but I think the guys that will probably be more front and center in terms of touches, opportunities, and stuff like that, aside from Avery Johnson, of course, 
aside from Jace Brown, of course, who's already kind of supplanted himself as a regular contributor, would be both, for me, Garrett Oakley, but Joe, Joe Jackson at running back because I think he could get five to ten carries because Treshawn Ward's not here, Anthony Frias is not here, so it's DJ Giddens and then who? Joe Jackson. Was there you know, anybody that left either from the portal or guys opting out, Ben Sinnott, Phillip Brooks, I mean, were you left wondering, like, at any position, like, okay, this guy left, maybe we're kind of in a bad spot? I can't think of anywhere that I'm thinking hit any of this bowl game, you know. Kind of everywhere they have had guys, young guys, step up, like, you know, Coley McAllister is going to play now, safety is going to probably start, and then Jack Fabris, who will probably back him up, will go hit a guy, and we saw him play very early. Are you worried about any position? You worry a little bit about the safety there because that's a lot of inexperience um, in place of Kobe Savage. So I think you worry a little bit there. Plus, that's been a group in general that was kind of susceptible to the big play even when it had Kobe Savage. So without him, you know, you, you might think that that kind of is exacerbated a little bit. You think about defensive line, but Uso is going to be back. And despite those guys leaving, Khalid Duke's playing. Cody Stuffelbean's playing. Brendan Mott chose to come back in and is playing. The only one you missed there is named Matlack. So I think you're you're fine. But you talk about young player, that means GDOB Icer is probably going to get some snaps. It'll be fun to watch him play. So in terms of a spot where you're like, do we take a big hit? I would say you got to watch that safety spot when you're backfilling for Kobe Savage. And you still have to watch out for tight end. Like I, I, I think I just mentioned him. I think Garrett Oakley is going to be an outstanding player. But going from Ben Sennett to an inexperienced Garrett Oakley, that's still a pretty considerable drop. Are you concerned? We'll talk about you know the NC State's defense now not having Peyton Williams, but are you worried about their offense? They got two really good players, but it's quite obvious who those two Concepcion. really good players. Yeah, Inception. I think is how you say his name. Concepcion. Yeah, something uh, like that. And then Brendan Armstrong, their quarterback, who's also the leading rusher. Yeah. Well, Brendan Armstrong is also a little bit injury or injury prone. Uh, he is kind of injury prone, but I mean, is that an up and down career? Turnover, yeah. turnover prone. Um, NC State is plus, I think, 11 in the turnover margin. We heard that from Dave Doran. But that some of that's also because Brendan Armstrong didn't play a lot of the games. Because if it was, I don't know if that turnover margin's as much in their favor. But uh, he's an older player. So this is why I, I've i been leaning towards NC State for a while in this game, though. Because they have an older, experienced quarterback that's played a lot of football in the better defense. In a lot of cases, that's probably you know, what I would lean on in terms of a winning team, right? I mean, blind re- resume. Do you want the team with the true freshman quarterback that hasn't started at quarterback who is flashy and has a lot of upside and potential, but this will be his first extended action, and your defense lost a few pieces that you've started this year, Nate Matlack, Willie, and Kobe Savage, and is coming off a game where they gave up 42 points to Iowa State? Or did you want to take the team with a quarterback that started like 40 games and has the top 10 defense in the country, even though they're without their best player. I mean, blind resume there like since he stayed a lot. Okay, so I don't know what your prediction is. We'll get that on, on PowerCat game day. Has your thought on the final score, has it moved the needle any any certain direction, knowing that Peyton Wilson, who is the Chuck Bednarik Award winner, he is a unanimous consensus All-American, will linebacker with him out. NC State now loses – 19% of their tackles, and 25% of their tackles for loss. He's now not playing. And he was, like, the key guy in NC State having 
a top 15 rush defense, second hardest rushing defense Casey will see this year other than Texas. Has that changed your mind at all about K-State's chances of winning this game? Yeah, he, I mean, what he means to NC State is basically what Cooper Beebe is to Kansas State, right? You're talking about, you know, consensus, All-American, stuff like that. But they're they're losing him, and that's considerable. And I know we feel like there's guys behind these guys that can do a lot, but Kansas State's without their starting quarterback, their number two running back, their number one wide receiver, technically in Phillip Brooks, led the team receiving, I believe, right? Behind Ben Sennett, yep. Well, that's what I'm saying. So you lost your number one receiver, your number one tight end, your number one quarterback, your number two running back. I think the Cats had a good 2023 class. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. But isn't that wild that we're still – I don't know that we're probably considering that enough. And I know we have all, all of our purple shades of glasses on. But number one tight end, not playing. Number one wide receiver, not playing. Number one quarterback, not playing. Number two running back, not playing. Number three DN, not playing. Um, Jake Clifton's hurt, who's probably one of your three best linebackers, not playing. Uh, um, who else? There's Ace, I mean, Asa Newsom was hurt long ago. Daniel Green was hurt long ago, which is probably your number one linebacker. Um, your number, what, two corner, if we're being kind here, Will Lee, not playing. Your number one safety, not playing. And for NC State, all we have is their number one linebacker, not playing. So, I hear you, and he means a lot to them. And you talked about how much of the defense he's responsible for, but there, there's 10 other players that are on that defense that are also responsible for them being top 10 in the country as well. I'm more optimistic, <laughs> for sure. Um, I mean, and you make a great pitch as to why NC State's the better team, and I and I totally hear you. I just, you know, I mean, the guys that are still going to play, though, it's not like they haven't played. They do have Correct. a little bit of experience. And especially on the offensive side – you know, the, the connection from Avery to Jace Brown for one game was actually very electric. And, I mean, it couldn't have been a tighter connection. They know each other very well. Roommates. It is, Yeah, and it's young talent, and I get that. But I, I've seen enough flashes of this young talent that says that, okay, we'll see what happens when they come I together. Mean, I, but we know they can do good things. I mean, I'm excited to watch it. And, they, I mean, the upside potential is there to basically eliminate everything that I just said in terms of the pitch because you're going with Avery Johnson, you're going with Garrett Oakley, you're going with Jace Brown, you're going with Colby McAllister, you're going with Chidi Obiizer, guys that are going to be great football players. Are they going to be great on that day? They could be. But their greatness is probably more down the line long term than right in front of our faces. So I think about that. I mean, in kind of Dave Doran, it was interesting someone – you know, in the press conference, asked that question, and Chris Clement's like, "Yeah, but, you know, we lost some key guys. So we're going to be playing some players that normally weren't playing, and we're just kind of forced into that." And he gets to Dave Dore, and he's like, well, "We lost depth. We lost our practice squad." It's basically what he said because they have over yeah. 20 guys in the transfer portal, but it was basically their practice squad. They're only—I think he said it—they only lost one starter, and I think it's Peyton Wilson. Yeah. K-State still has enough on defense to keep it a lower-scoring game. And as, it, long it, as, as long as the Iowa State game is a fluke. Oof. Well, Will Lee is no longer on the team, and that was the worst tackling uh, effort I've ever seen in my entire life. It wasn't just him, but that particular well, play. But, yes, because uh, he just gave him uh, the Mario Kart boost. Yes, he did. Watch out for Keenan Garber to lock down Kevin Concepcion tomorrow at uh, Camping not, not World Not Jacob Parrish? Maybe Parrish. No? Uh, well, I mean – 
That's more one-on-one, and Keenan's been a real good one-on-one lockdown kind of guy, okay. especially on some deeper throws. Good. He sticks with the receiver. And this is the ACC. ACC's trash. I thought anyway, nine and three in the ACC, please. Yeah, <laughs> that remind me. I thought the funniest part of the uh, entire thing was Chris Kleiman joking. He's like, "Yeah, this oh, it's yeah. crazy. We're in Florida, and we can say this is Big Twelve country. Literally, this city as well." Because UCF is right here. Mm-hmm. And then Doran's like, yeah, we can go out to California. That's ACC country. That is hilarious. D.Y., we could wrap it up there. Thanks for stopping by, and uh, we'll be talking again soon. Sounds good. Derek Young, Casey on the line here on The Game. Game in Orlando is brought to you by Farm Bureau Financial Services agent Joe Wilson. Do you need life insurance? No matter your life stage or expenses, having life insurance in place to protect your family is a smart move. Don't spend time wondering. Contact Farm Bureau Financial Services agent Joe Wilson in Manhattan to learn more. It's your future. Let's protect it. Next in Hour 3 of the game, Mitch in Vegas after this timeout. The game from Orlando on KMAN. Mitch in Vegas, Mitch in Manhattan, Mitch in Orlando. It doesn't matter. We can make picks anywhere in the country, although I got to say, it is illegal to bet on sports in Orlando, Florida, unless you have, what, the Seminoles Hard Rock Cafe app or something like that? That would be it, yeah. The the one app, the one app, the only one that's allowed in this state. Uh, I don't need to be spreading out any more money than I have to. Mitch in Vegas, East Coast edition here on The Game from Orlando, Florida, brought to you by Commerce Bank, helping you and our community grow. It's why we come to work every day. Proud to support KSU Athletics, Commerce Bank, Challenge Accepted, and by Farm Bureau Financial Services agent Joe Wilson. Do you need life insurance? No matter your life stage or expenses, having life insurance in place to protect your family is a smart move. Don't spend time wondering. Contact Farm Bureau Financial Services agent Joe Wilson in Manhattan to learn more. It's your future. Let's protect it. Well, Troy, you're trying to protect at least a tie in <laughs> the Mitch and Vegas standings. Really, it's only you and the people that need to make picks. Booyah. I'm just kind of making them for fun. Deej and I, we, we've been out for a couple of weeks. But this is actually a two-week finale. We did six picks last week. We're now right. going to make six more picks, and this will determine the champion. If we need to go to a tiebreaker, that tiebreaker would be the national championship game. So let's get to it. Game number one will follow the Pop-Tarts Bowl tomorrow in San Antonio, Texas. Number 14, Arizona, taking on number 12, Oklahoma. Arizona Wildcats favored by three points. I am not going to tell you what the people are voting. You just have to make the pick what you think is the right answer. Arizona favored by three. They have been a hot team uh, in terms of their play of late. Maybe a bit of a surprise in that they were able to get themselves bowl eligible if you made an assessment at the start of the season but uh, Jed Fish has done a tremendous job getting them into that game. Brent Venables able to turn around Oklahoma from what it was a season ago when it struggled. That is a stellar matchup. Arizona plus three. I will... Arizona minus three. Minus three. Wow. Uh, I'm going to go Oklahoma. I, I, I think that the Sooners will have a little bit of magic left in them and it's a different feel for Arizona to be in a bowl game. I don't have a clue who is opted out or transferring from Arizona. I know Dylan Gabriel is out at, at Oklahoma. He's heading to Oregon. Um, it's an interesting pick. You know, I, I kind of lean Arizona on that one, but, heck, I mean, UNLV gave KU a while. They're a run for their money. KU also with a darn near a record 
record setting nine in penalty yardage Good and of Lord. course the game earn, uh, ends in a brawl and they got to play each other next year that was the guaranteed rate bowl Game number two. What's Seriously, that? they got to play each other next year? Yep, they're in the non-con next year. Oh, good God. Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl coming up on the, uh, well, that'll be, uh, that'll be in two days, the 29th. Number 19, Oregon State. Number 16, Notre Dame. Fighting Irish favored by six. Second time that Notre Dame has ever appeared in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Of course, back then it was known strictly as the Sun Bowl. It's one of the oldest bowl games, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. A friend of mine, Bob Moore, writes for uh, an El Paso outlet, made the joke to me today about uh, which one uh, will infringe on the other's turf first, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl or the Pop-Tarts Bowl. I noted uh, corporate synergy is amazing. Uh I'm going to go Notre Dame in that one. Uh, I like what Marcus Freeman has been able to do with that team through the course of this year. Now, granted, there's going to be a change at quarterback there as well for both teams. But uh, in Notre Dame's case, I think that they've got enough juice that uh, they will be able to play well. This was a tough call for them. And, And remember how long it took on the afternoon of the bowl games being announced? And the argument was whether Notre Dame was going to take an ACC spot or the Sun Bowl spot. Well, that in that ACC spot would have been the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Exactly. And so that's why it took so long for all of the announcements to come down. And Notre Dame finally decided that it would return to one of the sites of a, of a historic win for them. If you think the Joe Montana game, you think of Texas a bit. But, you know, the Sun Bowl is definitely a different game for them than what they've been in. Well, I'm sure if you're a Fighting Irish fan, Oregon State not the most exciting matchup, but I, from what I heard, the story was that the ACC was very upset that Florida State didn't get into the college football playoff. Pop-Tarts Bowl is one of their top bowls, so they wanted to make sure that an ACC program got that bowl game. Not Notre Dame. Not Notre Dame. So it's the ACC's fault, basically, that K-State didn't get Notre Dame in this bowl game. Game three, Liberty Bowl in Memphis. Memphis Tigers will be, you know, I guess kind of hosting Iowa State for the second time. These two teams have met just one other time. That was in the Liberty Bowl back in 2018, I believe. Iowa State won that game. Iowa State will be a 10-point favorite in Memphis. Yeah, and I don't think that there's any surprise there. That is a, a matter of the conferences. And the Cyclones able to ride that Big 12 juice into that matchup. I believe that they're that much better of a ball club. I think that's a pretty easy pick. I agree. I'll just leave it at that. Again, my picks don't matter. Sure. I'm just kind of a uh, – I'm the host. You know, I'm Reese Davising this thing, I suppose. <laughs> our, our fourth game is the Cotton Bowl, uh, and that will be played on Friday. Hold on. Got to give it the right effect here. The Cotton Bowl. Pat Summerall. Not played in the Cotton Bowl, however. No. It's now played at AT&T Stadium for a while. The Cotton Bowl Classic. Missouri Tigers taking on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Vegas this whole time has called it a toss-up. Right now, Buckeyes by one point. Uh, I, I think that that's going to be overwhelmingly Ohio State myself. I think that, that's, that, that there's a mismatch in that game. This game, we're, we're going we're gonna to pick it on Powercat Game Day. Uh, I'm actually leaning Missouri because I believe they don't really have any opt-outs. Kyle McCord is, uh, is going to transfer for Ohio State. I think they do have a few more on the defensive side. 
Um, I mean, with Missouri being pretty much intact, I'm going to go uh, Tigers okay. to win the coin flip. Okay. Here. Our final two games, the college football playoff semifinals, game one, Rose Bowl on January 1st, Alabama and Michigan. Wolverines, Troy, by two points, the favorite. Surprising that it is just the two points that they are picked by. Uh, but there again, that gets into the mindset of how people view Alabama. While some of us decry the fact that Florida State likely should have been in the field, Vegas would tell you that no Alabama should be. And there you have it. Um, I'm, I'm going to uh, I'm going to take that Michigan favor, though, because I, I really do believe that that is a game that they should win by at least a touchdown. And then the final game, college football playoff, Texas-Washington Sugar Bowl, January 1st, Texas by four and a half. Which, again, gets back into the argument as to how Vegas views teams and, and specifically the Blue Bloods versus how maybe we as fans want to view them. I would love to pick Washington, but I think Texas's defense is going to be just that much better than what Washington is able to put on the field against them. I think Texas can win it all. Yeah. I think they're that good. That's the final Mitch in Vegas. We'll announce the winner of Mitch in Vegas next week, but right now we wrap up the game in Orlando, Florida with our prediction on the Pop-Tarts Bowl next. The Game in Orlando is brought to you by Whole Health MHK. Unlike a healthier you at Whole Health MHK, they're not just a clinic. They're your wellness champions. Located at 7840 East Highway 24 in Manhattan. Troy, let's just simply wrap up the show, give our predictions on the Pop-Tarts Bowl. We did not include it in Mitch in Vegas. Right now the line is K-State by two points, over under 47.5. Do you have number 25 K-State taking it? Or are you going to go with number 19, NC State? As we talked about some yesterday, this is a very salty, defensive NC State ball club. One that has been able to uh, limit the opponents relatively well throughout the course of this year. It's been able to overcome the fact that its offense at times has been challenged. I like K-State coming into this game for a multitude of reasons that we have touched on. Just the fact that Avery Johnson throws a bit of a wild card into the system at as a quarterback change, and how do you truly prepare for him, given that you have not seen him throw the ball much, uh, I, I think does pose a bit of a challenge for NC State's defense that has been so solid this year. That said, I don't think that Vegas is out of line by putting it at a plus two right now. Given what we have seen with the opt-outs, given what we have seen in terms of just the overhaul, there are so many questions going into this game for both teams, given the numbers of players that entered the transfer portal. Uh, I, th- I think that really it's a matter of, you know, your guess is as good as mine in many ways, because uh, it is such a different squad that each is probably going to put on the field for this game. One area that K-State, I think, does gain that advantage, of course, is because it's the veteran offensive line that's going to be helping Avery Johnson be able to do something on offense. And so I will put K-State into that win spot. I got a feeling with my prediction, I'm going to be back and forth. I have one I feel like right now it may change when I do Powercat game day tomorrow afternoon starting at 1230. 
I, I think if K-State wants to win, because of its youth and learn, kind of for some maybe learning on the fly, especially with the different personnel, that's going to have to play a lot more. And I still feel good about K-State's defense being tough, able to shut down Brendan Armstrong and Kevin Concepcion. They really have just two studs, by far their best players. The rest of the offense for NC State is, uh, you know, they score 26 points a game. That's not exactly the best number. Mm -hmm. And they play in the ACC. It's the NC State defense you worry about when they lose just one starter. However, it's the best defensive player in the country. I feel this will be a low-scoring game. I think that plays in favor of K-State. Right now I'm leaning K-State 24, NC State 20. And that's going to wrap it up for the game here in Orlando, Florida. Big thank you to Whole Health MHK, Commerce Bank, and Farm Bureau Financial Services agent Joe Wilson out of Manhattan for sponsoring our trip to Orlando, Florida. A reminder, kickoff for the Pop-Tarts Bowl tomorrow afternoon is at 445. Powercat game day, 1230 in the afternoon right here on K-Man. Coming up next here on News Radio KMAN, we're going to join in progress with the Dukes Mayo Bowl, North Carolina, and West Virginia. For Owen Burke back in the KMAN studio, Troy Coverdale, I'm Mitch Fortner. You've been listening to the game from Orlando, Florida on News Radio KMAN.